0: Well, it is good to be back uh, here at Providence, to be back here uh, preaching uh, God's Word, and I know there are two thoughts that are going through your minds right now. Uh, The first thought is this, I really hope that Pastor Michael is not going to try to catch up for his last 13 weeks and preach a six-hour sermon. I hope that he knows that the Chiefs are playing and it's not going to have a six-hour sermon. And I understand that. And don't worry, we'll we'll be there right, right in time. And there is something else that I'm sure you're thinking, and it was going to be hilarious but it has just slipped my mind. I needed glasses, and I forgot my opening joke. And so we will, it will come back to us. My, my middle age is, is quickly approaching. But it is good to be back here uh, in preaching God's Word. And again, we want to thank you for uh, the gift of the sabbatical. People will ask me, uh, what was the best thing about sabbatical? And I'm going to say this, I, redisco- I rediscovered the joy of the Lord. I rediscover the joy of the Lord. Can anyone here say that sometimes, maybe even right now, you feel like the joy of the Lord isn't as strong in you right now as it has been at other times in your life? If we're honest... We can all say that's happened to us at some point in our life, and it's happened to me. We've had a lot of struggles that we've gone through as a family. Uh, We've walked through a lot of hardships as a church, uh, and it's easy for that joy of the Lord to be gone, and what is the joy of the Lord? It's our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We find our strength in the Lord. And so when that joy in God is beginning to disappear, our strength is disappearing and we're getting weaker. And it's so good just to be able to get away and just to spend time in God's Word, to spend time in prayer, to spend time listening to other sermons. I listened to other sermons the last uh, few months and being poured into and just being able to grow in in just incredible ways. And I just want us, if you're here and you feel drained and you feel that that joy the Lord has gone as well, make maybe a a spiritual retreat where you say, hey, on a Saturday I'm going to take a few hours or... And a weeknight, am going to take a few hours, and I'm just going to get alone with the Lord. I'm going to listen to some of my favorite uh, Christian songs. I'm going to spend time reading God's Word. I'm going to spend time in prayer. Maybe I'm going to spend time with a, with a guy friend or a girlfriend uh, here at the church and just spend time talking about what God is teaching in your life or the struggles you're going through and just praying together. It's just nice to be encouraged with one another in our Lord, in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And what I've realized over these last few months is that God is still all-powerful. The God that we serve, the God that we worship, the God of the Bible is still the same God that we serve today. He's a mighty God. He's an incredible God. And today I want to just take a few moments and I want to share with us just some of the insights that I feel that God has spoken into me over the last few months. And those sabbatical insights are simply this, number one, God can, number two, we have an urgent message, and number three, you are needed. God can, we have an urgent message, and you are needed. We're going to be looking at a variety of verses today. Uh, thank you to John Mark for filling in for the pulpit. I heard he's did a wonderful job. Uh, and uh, going through Mark, we're going to take a one week break. We'll have two more weeks in Mark. And then guess what, guys? Thanksgiving and then Christmas. Can you believe it? That's crazy. So Christmas is just around the corner and uh, we will continue in Mark Next year, and we will conclude and and finish in that book. But today we're going to start in Matthew chapter 9. We're going to be all over the scripture this morning. Matthew chapter 9, uh, verses 35 through 38. Matthew chapter 9, this is Jesus speaking, and this is what he says in verse 35. He says, Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. This scripture is going to be our main theme scripture throughout this sermon. We'll look at others as well, but we'll continue to focus on this one. Uh, We had a deacon's retreat last night, and this was the main theme verse that I used uh, for our deacon's retreat as well. When we look at this verse, what we see is that Jesus is going around, he's, he's ministering. There are people who need the good news of the Lord. And that wherever he's going, there's someone who needs Jesus to meet them, wherever he is going. And this is what Jesus realizes. He tells his disciples look around. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. And what he means by harvest, he means there are tons of people around here that need a Savior. There are tons of people around here who need their sins forgiven and to enter into that great eternal salvation that's found through Christ alone. There's so many people that are hurting physically, who are hurting spiritually, who are hurting emotionally. There are people that need the Lord. There are people that need Jesus. What is not lacking is the need of people that need to hear the good news that Jesus saves. There's no lack in that. And this is what Jesus is saying when he is is walking around through Israel. And when I drove to church here today, Providence Baptist Church, we can say the exact same thing about the Northland of Kansas City. In order for me to get to this church, I had to pass a thousand homes, probably even more, and more being built of families, of people who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The harvest is plenty. If you're standing in the line of the price chopper, there's a good chance someone in that line is an unbeliever, someone who needs the Lord, someone who needs to know about the gospel. There are people that are hurting in our family. There are marriages that are failing. There are financial needs. There are physical needs. Someone right around our church this week probably found out that they don't have much longer to live. And they're worrying about their eternal security. They're worrying about what's going to happen in the next life. And you know what we have here at Providence Baptist Church? We have hope. We have the good news. We have the gospel that if I'm a follower of Christ, if I were to die today, I will spend eternity in heaven. That is incredible news that a lot of people in our community don't have. And God has equipped us and challenged us and given us the commission to share that good news. So I think we would all say the harvest is plentiful. There are a lot of people right around our church that need to know about Jesus. And I would say that the second thing we would say is true for our church as well: the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The workers are few. We're going to continue to talk through this over throughout this sermon. And most people here aren't new families. We have a couple of new families, but they're in our Sunday school class, so I already talked about with this them some. But in 2019, it's been a a hard year for our church. It's been a hard year as we have had some key families move to different ministries, to different places, which we're excited for them that they have done that. But it leaves a leadership void here at our church. It leaves us wondering who's going to be some fellow workers that are going to help us reach this harvest. We think about other families that left for a variety of reasons. And one thing about attending a small church is we are like family. We are a church family. We're a family who who loves the Lord, and we actually know each other. When we come in and leave, when someone's gone, we miss them. And we miss what we have walked through together and how we have tried to encourage each other. We miss them, and and it hurts. Every time someone leaves, it hurts my heart. And I'm sure it does yours as well. And as a church family, what we have to remember, we have to look around and we have to say we still have this incredible mission that Jesus founded 2,000 years ago. And that this church planted here in 1846 to fulfill, to make disciples of Jesus Christ. But it's easy for us to look around and go, you know, I've been serving here for decades. I've been serving here for years. And I feel tired. I feel weary, and I'm glad these families have these other opportunities, but it hurts. The joy of the Lord may be leaving us, but God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it says in the Bible that when we grow weary, that he can give us wings like eagles. He can renew our strength. And I have felt a renewal of that strength over these past few months. And my prayer is that as a church, we will feel that same as well. And we're going to continue to talk about this theme throughout this sermon. But we think this picture of, we can relate. The harvest is plentiful. There's a lot of people to reach, but we're a small church. How are we going to be able to reach them? How are we going to be able to proclaim that good news to unbelievers and to help each other grow in our walk with Christ? And the answer that we'll talk about later on is this, we are to be faithful in prayer. And we're going to talk more about that at the end of the sermon, what we're going to do and what our approach is going to be. But Jesus looks through this and he talks about this harvest that is there, this harvest that is plentiful. The end of kindergarten last year, Collins came home from school and she had this one pumpkin seed that uh, they planted in this like little little cup uh, in in her kindergarten class and she had watered and taken care of it and she comes home I guess it was May and uh, she goes mom dad I want to plant this pumpkin seed and and I want to see it grow and so we're like well okay Colin so we had the our raised bed and I gave her the good fatherly talk I said, now Collins." I don't want you to be disappointed if your pumpkin seed doesn't grow. It may not grow, but we'll plant it. And so we had her raised bed. We put in cucumbers. We put in tomatoes. We put in red peppers and all this other stuff. And then we put in her one little pumpkin seed. And the time goes by. And some things are growing okay in our garden. But there's one thing that's just sprouting everywhere and taking over our garden, and it is Collins's pumpkin seed. Our tomatoes were okay. Our cucumbers, I don't think ever. Oh, we got a few. Yeah, we got a few cucumbers. We had one red pepper, but this pumpkin seed went everywhere. I mean, it was taking over our entire backyard, which I actually liked because I had to mow a lot less because the pumpkin plant was all over. And while I'm producing it was these pumpkins, and these were like giant pumpkins. I think we have a picture here. There she is. So, so I know, impressive, huh? This came out of our backyard. And, and there were seven of them. She had seven of these grow. To the fact when we walked to the price chopper, they had like these little pumpkins and Collins were like psh, they have they have little pumpkins here. Look at mine. And so she is so proud of these pumpkins. We have seven of them. We put them out in the front yard. Joe is pretty good, right? And So Joe's a pumpkin grower. He understands. And so we're so proud of her for what she was able to do. And this is what struck me. A couple things that struck me. One is this, having childlike faith. Jesus tells us to have childlike faith. And here I am as the adult. My daughter is so excited about growing this pumpkin. She knew it was going to grow. There was no doubt in her mind. But here I am saying, now that may not happen. You just got to be cautious. That may not happen. But what does Jesus tell us? To have a childlike faith. God can do the impossible. All we did was plant that seed and then watered it once a day. That's all we did. And it grew and grew and grew and produced a great crop, a great. Putnam pumpkin patch in our backyard. I mean, it was amazing to see. And what I want us to understand is that Jesus teaches us that same thing can happen through believers. That same thing can happen through a local church. Even one down Stark Avenue next to a peacock farm, God can use us in incredible ways to reach this community with the gospel. It can happen. But first, got to believe it we got to believe that our God truly is the God of the impossible. We have to believe that our God can and he will change lives. We have to believe what is our theme verse for this year. It's Ephesians 3, uh, chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. Paul is praying. We see this theme of praying. He's praying. He ends his prayer this way. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask, all that we think, according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. What a way to end a prayer. And as a church, as we are become people of prayer, this is how we need to pray. God can do more than we can even think. God can do more than we can even imagine. And that's just not pretty poetry. It's a fact. But we have to believe it. We have to have that childlike faith like Collins did. And we just simply have to plant seeds. We have to pray. We have to trust God. And where we feel as a church that God is leading, we need to follow. And we need to be faithful to step out and to follow our great God. We saw this incredible, incredible production of pumpkins. And I believe that through our church, we're going to continue to see God produce new believers and help our members to fall more in love with him than we've ever been before. And we say, Jesus, just take my life. I want to live for you. Jesus changes lives. There's a prime example of that in our culture today. Knowing our age demographic, we may not all know this person, but Kanye West, does that ring a bell? He's a a rapper, Uh, and he uh, was rapped very secular songs. He was very um, popular. He is very popular. Uh, He's married to Kim Kardashian as his wife. And about two months ago, he came out and said, I have become a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm no longer doing secular music. I'm going to do gospel music from here on out. And last week, he released his first uh, Christian album. And guess what it's called? Jesus is King. Jesus is King. And what we've seen is this incredible life change in this man who was nowhere a Christian. And his life has been changed. And now he's pronouncing the name of Jesus. He's proclaiming boldly that Jesus is king. And I've listened to some of that album uh, this week, and it's it's very rap. Uh, the, the, the music, the lyrics are amazing. And since the lyrics are so good, we're going to have Randy practice. <laughs> So he can do a special. is it actually good enough? <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. Well, we probably, we probably won't make Randy to do that. But if you can, if you can look, if you can look at the lyrics, what you'll see is that this is a man quoting scripture. This is a man whose life has been changed by Jesus. And you know how a lot of Christians have reacted to this news? They've said things like this. Yeah, right. There's no way he's a believer. Do you know what this guy's done? Do you know who his wife is? There's no way he can really be a believer. I don't believe it at all. You know what that reminds me of? There was this woman who began to wash Jesus' feet while he was at the Pharisee's table. And she was a prostitute, but then she met Jesus. And guess what the Pharisee said? said, She can't be a follower of Jesus. Does Jesus not know what this woman has done in her past? Why is he with her? Look what she has done in her life. And seeing these reactions that people have, not only God knows a heart of a true believer, but if we don't believe that God can change Kanye West's life, we do not understand the power of the gospel. We don't understand what Jesus came to do. Do we realize that changing the Apostle Paul's life was probably harder than God for God changing Kanye West's life? The Apostle Paul was literally killing Christians. And then God met him and he became our greatest ambassador for the faith. The God we serve is the God who changes lives. But we often think, well, he can change some lives, but not all lives. That is completely wrong. God can change and wants to change every single life. He wants the sinner to turn from his sin, and that is the good news of the gospel. If we don't believe that Kanye West can be saved through Christ, you don't understand and understand that he can't save us either. If he can't save Kanye, he can't save us. Why? Because we are sinners as well. We were lost in our sin. And it's only through the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that we have the way for our sins to be forgiven. And what I want us to understand is that God has come to change lives. And I believe that he wants us to reach this community with the gospel. I believe he wants every single one of us to be growing deeper in our walk with Christ, for our lives to be changed, for us to be focused on mission for him, and for us to remember that God is the God of the impossible. The person who right now is living so far away from the Lord, Jesus could change his life in a moment. And we have the message to share. We need to be praying that God moves and that God changes lives. And we see in Kanye West, we see this great example and a reminder. Don't doubt the work of God. Let us not doubt the work of God. He's going to work in mighty ways. And let us trust and see him and pray for him to move in incredible ways. God can. That's our first point. That's the first insight I've seen throughout this sabbatical. God can. The second is this, uh, urgent message. Urgent message. When we went into sabbatical, my mom was about to have an operation. Whitney's mom has continued to be uh, not uh, healthy at all. And that's an understatement. Uh, And... uh, Good news, Whitney's mom was able to attend my brother-in-law's wedding. And we were very grateful for that, that she was able to be there uh, for that. We're also grateful for God's providence and that uh, Madison, my sister-in-law, got to be with Kelly. Uh, really, and one of the hardest things our family has ever gone through. And we're grateful for that. And Riley needed a godly wife at that time. And we're very grateful for her and for being part of our family. Uh, her health is continuing to decline. She's still alive um, but it's it's not good. We, we are praying for the day that she goes to heaven. We know she's a believer and she's suffering um, and so we continue to ask for your prayers. Uh, my mom had an operation that I went to North Carolina for. Uh, the operation was not successful um, but uh, she is having good days and bad days uh, and I think she has some more good days. My dad's getting ready to retire so they got a travel trailer so they're starting to do some camping. So I think they're enjoying that. So continue uh, prayer for them uh, as well. And so going into the sabbatical, what I was thinking was, hey, we could have a funeral for Whitney's mom, is really kind of what I was thinking. Uh, We did have a family funeral, but it wasn't for one of our moms. It was actually for my uncle. My uncle lived in Albany, New York. He was a cardiologist. He was in the greatest shape ever. Uh, I had FaceTimed him 10 days before he passed, and I got to show him my daughters, and I was grateful for that. Whitney and I were working out. It was 6 o'clock in the morning. I had a phone call from my mom. I figured that must be bad news. I answered the phone, and she said, "Uh, your Uncle David has passed away. He had a stroke, but it probably wasn't the stroke that killed him. He was standing on the back stairwell, and he fell down the stairwell, and it was the head trauma uh, that killed him. And when I heard that news, this was my first reaction. Are you ready? I don't know if he was a Christian. I don't know if he knew Jesus. I honestly can't say where he is now. And that really struck with me. And I just talked to him 10 days ago. I had an opportunity. I didn't take it. And that really was like a punch to the gut. I had the opportunity to go up to Albany, New York for his funeral and seeing the lives that he impacted, but even seeing that we don't know. There just was not the hope that he was a follower of Jesus Christ. He was a great guy, but being a great guy doesn't save you. Surrender your life to Jesus is the only way to be saved. And what hit me was this. Do I believe heaven and hell are real places? And the Bible teaches that they are. I believe the Bible so that answer is yes, I believe they are real places. Do so I believe that if you have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, that you will spend eternity in hell? Yes, that's what the Bible teaches, so I believe that. And so then the third point is this, Then why am I not more urgently spreading that message? Why am I not more urgently spreading that message to the unbelievers who are in my life? Why am I not praying every day for every unbelieving family member, neighbor, coworker? Why am I not spending time in prayer realizing how urgent this message is? If I were to make a list of all my aunts and uncles and and put them in order and say, who do I think is going to pass next? Uncle David would have been in the bottom, bottom of that list. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. And so we have to focus on the urgent message of the gospel. We need to wake up thinking, who can I pray for? Who can I share the good news of Jesus with today? Who can I be praying for that God will work in his or her life to surrender their lives to Jesus? There's an urgency to the message. God can. God can change lives. God can bring a harvest. God can remove in incredible ways. But he's given us this urgent message to share. As followers of Jesus Christ, We have the most important job. I don't care what your vocation is. Your real job is the commission, the great commission to make disciples of Jesus. Are we faithful in doing that? Matthew chapter 28 is that great commission. It is a common verse that we use a lot here in this church. And I pray that we will always use this a lot here in our our church as it is our focus of what we are to do. It says this Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember I am with you always to the end of the age. That's the commission Jesus gave us. To reach the lost with the gospel and to help other followers of Jesus to grow deeper in their walk with Christ. That's our purpose. That's what we are to do. And are we faithfully praying for and sharing this urgent message that God has given us? Sabbatical insights God can. Second, we have an urgent message. And third is this you are needed. You are needed. That you, it's plural. It's y'all from the South. Y'all are needed. What a great word. Y'all are needed. God has designed the church where we are all needed to serve. We are all needed to serve. We are all needed to help fulfill this great commission. And when we talk about being needed, these are uh, four things I'm going to talk about. One is baptism. Two is church membership, service, and prayer baptism church membership service and prayer so a couple things that stuck out to me one is baptism baptism does not save you uh, but it's important we believe it's a symbol of what god has already done in your in our hearts but i believe that sometimes when i have taught about baptism i downplay the importance of it it doesn't save you but it's still important to do Uh, Baptism is something that we do after we have prayed and received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We call it believer's baptism, or we're baptized after we become a follower of Jesus. Demonstrating your faith through baptism is very important. Why is that? Because Jesus tells us right here in the Great Commission to be baptized. And so if I were to say that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm going to live my life for him, but the first thing he told me to do as a follower of Jesus is to go get baptized. And I'm like, ah, I'm not going to do that. It, it makes us wonder, well, how committed are you? And so what baptism does, it, it's a way to show the church, I'm living for Jesus. I'm committed to this. I am living for him. It's kind of like putting your jersey on. Today, when the chiefs go out, they're going to put their chiefs jerseys on. and We're going to know what team they're playing for. You're not going to have a Chiefs player going out there with just a blank jersey. He's going to have a jersey showing, hey, I play for the Kansas City Chiefs. And baptism is a way for us to say to our church family, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm living for him, and I'm going to proclaim that to my church and to my community that I'm a follower of Jesus. doesn't save you, but it's important because Jesus asked us to to get baptized. So if you're here today and you would say, you know, I'm a follower of Christ, but I've never demonstrated that through believer's baptism. I have not done that. You may have been a believer for years and haven't done that. That's okay. Let's talk about it. And so what we're going to do is on November 17th, uh, we're going to have a baptism class. November 17th, there should be a sign-up sheet out here if you're interested. Uh, This is for... Children or adults, anyone, any age, Uh, if you are signing up a child, I do ask that there'll be a a parent or a grandparent or some sort of adult figure uh, that your child knows with your child, and uh, we will talk through it. I'll see who all signed up, and then I'll let you know the location. It will be just during our Sunday school hour on November 17th, when we'll talk about what baptism is, the importance of it, and about doing baptism. And then on December 1st, we're going to have a Baptism Sunday. And so after we talk about baptism, we'll, we'll fill up the baptistry, we'll have a Sunday where we'll get baptized, and hopefully we'll have several baptisms that we'll be able to celebrate those that are proclaiming through baptism that they've surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. Now, if you go, oh, those dates don't work, I'd love to talk to you anytime about baptism and we can fill this baptist, baptistry up any week, okay? And, but I want you to think, you know, I am a follower of Christ, but I haven't demonstrated that through baptism yet. This is a great time to do that. The next thing is church membership, seeing that as a follower of Christ, we become members of the universal church as followers of Jesus, but we see the precedence in the scripture then to join a local church, to say that I'm going to use my gifts, I'm going to use my strength at this church, this is where God has planted me and called me. And so if you're interested in becoming a member, we'd love to talk to you about officially joining and becoming a member of Providence Baptist Church. And then the next place is this, in service, service. Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 11 through 13, says this. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. Now think about that. Keep that in your mind. And we're also going to look at Romans, uh, Romans chapter 12, uh, beginning in verse uh, 3. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 3, it says this, For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself uh, more highly than he should, Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. We'll pause right there. These passages, what they teach us is this that the pastor isn't supposed to do all the ministry at the church. That's what it teaches us. It teaches us that the pastor has a role. His role is to equip the members to be doing the ministry of the church. And this is something we've tried to do with having ministry teams and trying to get people involved. But we also see then we have this list of gifts in the scripture, and when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, we all receive at least one spiritual gift, and that gift is not intended for you just to put on the back shelf and say, well, that was nice to have that gift, but it's to be used. It's a gift that is to be used, and it's to be used in the local church that you believe that God has called you in to serve, and the church needs you to serve. There's an old saying that says 20% of people at a church do 80% of the work. And here's my challenge and here's my prayer that here at Providence Baptist Church, we reverse that. And that we see 80% of our people, we could shoot for 100, I'm fine with that, but we have 80% of our people who have discovered their gifts, they're faithfully serving and and doing the work of the ministry. There are tons of areas where we need service. And some key areas right now are in the nursery and in children's church. Kathy May's down there uh, working very hard, and we need more people plugged in in those areas. There's other areas as well, but those is one area where we definitely need people plugged in and serving and using their gifts uh, in service. I want to say that I was very proud of our church uh, at the fall festival as we were away on our sabbatical. And down the street we saw this beautiful, wonderful float with great signage coming down that boldly proclaimed our message that Providence Baptist Church loves God, loves people, and serves the world. So thank you to Brenda and the missions team. That was just a great example of the members of our church doing the ministry. And a lot more of that has happened throughout these last three months as well, and I'm proud of you. But if you have not gotten involved, Maybe you've been here a long time, and there's just no place where you're serving. Our church needs you. We need you to serve. We need you to get plugged in. You can talk to Ben. You can talk to Dan. You can talk to myself. You can talk to uh, Kathy. uh, Any of us you can talk to and say, where's a place where I can get served in? And we will get you plugged in. We'll find a place for you to serve. The church needs everyone to serve and to use our gifts in serving. We talked about this in our deacon's retreat yesterday, 2019. We've had several families that have, uh, for various reasons, aren't here anymore. And it's hard. We notice their presence is gone. But I want us to understand this. The sky isn't falling. God is faithful. He's going to continue to provide for this church. But We have to realize, some of us that may not have been actively serving, it's time to serve. We also have to realize, what is it that we need to do to best reach this community with the gospel? What is it that we need to do to best help one another grow in our relationship with Christ? And we have to be thinking through that. And there's going to be decisions that we're going to have to make that are challenging. There's going to be some changes that we need to make to best reach our community with the gospel. We will never, hear me clearly, we will never water down the gospel. Everything that we do at Providence Baptist Church is all about Jesus Christ. Did you hear me? Everything we do at Providence Baptist Church is all about Jesus Christ. But we have to begin having conversations on what can we do to reach this harvest that is abundant and needs the gospel that Jesus saves. Where is God leading us as a church? And what is it that we're supposed to do? According to that first verse that we read, Jesus said this, pray that God will create workers. Those of you here who have volunteered for a long time, you could say, we could do some more workers here. You can amen to that if you want. We could use some more workers here. There's some more workers that we could use. We could use more workers to reach this community with the gospel. I'm growing weary. I'm losing the joy of the Lord. We need to gather together in prayer for strength, of renewal, of what God has called us to do, what God has planted us to do. My prayer for this church is that she will be here and will be vibrantly advancing the kingdom of God until the day Jesus returns. And we need to continue to be having conversations about now our message is the same, but our community is different. What do we need to do to advance that kingdom? And my prayer is that 40 years down the road, the vibrant conversation will be thinking, well, what worked in 2019 isn't working in 2060." So what is it that we need to do now to continue to reach our community with the gospel of Jesus? And it begins with this. It begins with fervently praying. And so I am calling our church out to spend time in prayer. Over these next, through the, four, through the first week of December, I am calling us to spend fervent in prayer asking for God to provide workers, asking for God to provide a harvest asking for God to give us wisdom of where he's moving to best reach our community with the gospel, to asking God to revive us here in this building that we will all rediscover the joy of the Lord and that we will see God about to move in just incredible ways, ways that we can't even think and imagine. We see Ephesians chapter 4 being lived out here in Providence and it begins with prayer. And so this, I want everyone to pray, but I'm specifically calling out the men of the church, fellow men, that we need to be spiritual leaders here. And starting tomorrow, every Monday in November, except for Thanksgiving week, and then the first Monday in December, I'm going to be in the sanctuary from, as early, 6.30 a.m. to 7.15. And we're going to be specifically praying for God to give us wisdom, of decisions that need to be made, and for God to provide workers and to send a harvest here to Providence Baptist Church. That's what we're praying for. And so, men, I'm asking you to show up. I'm asking you to be ready to pray. This is not, we're not going to eat donuts and hang out for the first 30 minutes and pray for 15. This is 45 minutes of praying and seeking the Lord. I try to pick a time that would work with most. I know I can't pick one that works with everyone. If you can't be there, Pray where you are. Set an alarm. Pray where you are. Ladies, value you in prayer as well. Um, So set a time to pray and to be faithfully committed to praying and asking the Lord. There's no quick answer, uh, but God will give us wisdom. He will give us direction, and I know that he will. We have seen God work miracles in our church today. Phyllis Klubein was here. That was a miracle. That's absolutely a miracle. And we prayed fervently for that. And I think we should take God's, Jesus' command for us to be fervently praying for the workers to go out to this harvest and to reach them with the good news of the gospel. God can. We have an urgent message and you are needed to help advance the good news that Jesus saves. Father, we love you. We thank you for today. We thank you that we can be here as a church, that we can worship you, that we can serve you. Father, we thank you that you are not a weak God. We thank you that you are all powerful. And Lord, I thank you that you have rediscovered, that I've rediscovered the joy of the Lord in my heart today. And Father, I pray for our church that we all will rediscover the same. And Lord, I just pray that you be with us uh, as we begin just to seek you in prayer and say, Lord, it's hard that we've lost some key families, but Lord, you are gonna faithfully take care of us. And Lord, we pray that we seek you and a heart that's humble before you, and that you will give us wisdom and direction, and that we will continue to see lives changed by the gospel, and that we will use our gifts, roll up our sleeves, serve you, trust you. But Lord, we want to spend our time on our knees in prayer, seeking your wisdom and guidance. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the great God that you are. So your son's name, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.